0: All of the recycling that you want to do in your spare time is nothing compared with the industrial amount of waste that we need to deal with
1: welcome to careers in fashion hi everyone and welcome to careers in fashion sustainable thinking with extinction rebellion my name is elaine i'm a consultant at graduate futures
2: and i'm alicia stommel and i'm a graduate student at the london college of fashion Um, and I'm in its Fashion Entrepreneurship and Innovation course and at the moment I'm currently co-founding a sustainable fashion business that will be launching shortly.
1: In this extended episode we look at sustainable practices in our current climate and the struggle of transitioning awareness into positive action.
2: Joined by guest speakers Alice Willoughby and Claire Farrell, both guest lecturers at UAL and heavily involved in Extinction Rebellion, This student-led podcast will encourage you to explore the environmental impact of the creative industry.
3: Hi, everyone. Nice to be here. So, yeah, um, my name's Claire and I'm um, a former fashion designer. Um, I've worked uh, in sustainability. I've been educating on um, the topic of uh, ethics and the environment and fashion uh, for about a decade. And I'm I'm one of the co-founders of Extinction Rebellion here in the UK.
0: Hi there, my name is Alice Wilby. Um, I am an activist with Extinction Rebellion's fashion action team and I've been working in sustainable fashion for 10 years as a uh, teacher and stylist and consultant. Yeah, and I'm delighted to be
1: here. So just to sort of, I guess, uh, sort of set the scene a little bit, in um, alignment with the sort of current disruption that's going on with sustainability today, what is standing out for you uh, as an organisation? I mean, we have, you know, so much going on right now with the current situation of COVID and the current sort of, um, you know, global sort of movement that's going on in campaigns. So are there any particular sort of movements at the forefront uh, that you sort of want to talk about um in particular
3: in terms of um talking about sustainability as um as a concept and and something that has a movement behind it i mean um you know even just that in of itself is quite an interesting place to to just pause and have a, and have a think about um what has taken place because i think that um for a lot of people, the sustainability concept in fashion has been um, forever at loggerheads with the the kind of rationale and the philosophical basis of our um, of our capitalist kind of systems. Whilst there have been many many people pushing everywhere in in uh, recent years, for increased levels of sustainable work within our industry. That um, you know, the fact that there's that sort of philosophical clash has always meant that they have um, been fighting quite a losing battle. And uh, we see a similar problem, of course, with lots of other aspects of the work that Extinction Rebellion focuses on, from sort of looking and talking to businesses, to talking to politicians, to talking to the media. And so I guess really, in a way, um, some of the strongest and uh, and best campaigns that have um, worked well within the fashion sector for me have been those that focus on kind of human impacts um, because those are those are the places where we see um like you know a, a reality to the to the work. Um mm. and that and that encompasses then looking, I guess, at, at groups like War on One and people who've been who've been pushing uh very, very hard for workers' rights and to deal with child labour issues, um, to deal with the intersection between the fashion and textile sector and um human trafficking. Um and there's lots and lots of organizations that have been doing that work, and that for me. Relates more neatly to what I see as kind of one of the origins of this of this work, um, which was that when I first started <clears throat> focusing on it, people call, called it readily ethical fashion, and yeah. the sustainability sector, I would say, has has more or less been um, born out of um, an understanding that you know uh, the words fashion and ethics don't don't sit well together, and <laughs> yeah. they never will. You know so even even that i think is is quite an interesting concept so in terms of sustainability for human beings yeah i think it's good to look at all of the
1: all of the great work that's gone on in terms of trying to protect humans within our chain. yeah absolutely and when we kind of look at the word sustainability in fashion it's so sort of as you said interlinked with such a kind of wider perspective of what that really means and perhaps you know you know, that's such a sort of organic process in terms of how, you know, society's starting to view that, and um, sustainability is such a broad umbrella sort of, uh, you know, word, I guess, um, that, yeah, breaking it down into sort of, uh, you know, key areas that people are really interested in or kind of key movements that are coming up, and I think, you know, that sort of concept of human impact is really such a strong voice at the moment, Um uh, alice do you have any sort of comments to make on that um
0: yeah i just i mean i'd like to add to what claire said when we were when we we both started working out working in like quote unquote sustainable fashion it was called ethical fashion it was called eco fashion for a while it was called green fashion um and i think it's really interesting to look at what happens to uh the movement and points of focus um mm. and what we hold brands accountable for when we change language. Um, and what now in this sort of like greater term of sustainability and su- sustainability today, what's been really interesting for me, um, rather than looking at one great organization, is looking at what specific um, designers and leaders in what I'd call mainstream fashion are, are starting to do and and how they're starting to behave and talk about sustainability. Um, you know, we saw in this kind of context of, of COVID that has you know the current crisis that has been compared to compared to uh, the looming climate crisis in certain ways. But what it's done is we've been able to view the fashion system through a lens of crisis, and we're seeing designers like uh, mark Jacobs now really readily talking about the sort of psychological um, stress of the fashion industry, how the unsustainability of 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 constant pressure to overproduce. Mm. Um, The constant pressure to overproduce that has on him as a designer, how he, um, you know, sort of uh, Gucci talking very openly about um, the negative environmental impact that the fashion industry has. So we're seeing big brand leaders reframing um, sustainability. So it's not just a marketing tool anymore. They're actually talking about how fashion is sustainable, mental health, environment on a personal level. And I think so. It's really interesting to see how the languages shift in that space. We are now starting to have more conversations from these from these sort of brand leaders about what sustainable production might look like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going anywhere near close enough. What we are sort of pushing for with the Extinction Rebellion Fashion Action Team, which is a radical decrease in production levels, in order to really make fashion sustainable and I would say we need a regenerative fashion system rather than a sustainable fashion system but yeah for me for me what's been very interesting is how individuals have shifted language and with that the sort of the, the, the focus of what sustainability means is being pulled into much more real kind of terms.
1: Yeah that's it's really interesting actually um, you know it feels almost like a sort of you know relief for, for to be able to speak out right you know, when yeah. you're sort of in this this uh, very highly glamorized sort of industry and, you know, to to have that confidence to speak out, um, you know, it's really important. And it's sort of looking at I, I picked up on the words of sort of leaders and role models and That kind of leads us into sort of quite nicely, actually, into sort of kind of looking at sort of how um, this does impact the the younger generations or or the emerging generations that are now coming up, you know, perhaps how that kind of impacts them. So. Sort of if we think about how sustainability is embedded into the, into the curriculum, kind of what do you think are the current areas of interest or conversation around sustainability that surprise you? You know, what, what sort of from a sort of education perspective, are you sort of picking up on anything from sort of a younger audience or the next generation audience that are talking about sustainability in a sort of different way? Do you think that's sort of impacting the sort of conversation that's going on? i mean i I would say there's a couple of things stand out for me firstly is that
0: I'm continually heartened by how many young graduate designers don't want to go and work in a kind of you know massive multinational brand and mm. and create um perpetuate this system of of sort of planetary and people and animal exploitation that has been the kind of the 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 modus operandi of the fashion industry so far. Um, So they're looking for alternatives and a a lot of young designers who are really kind of bravely choosing to stand on their own two feet and start looking at how to create and design new systems as opposed to just uphold the old ones that they really understand really don't work anymore. Um, And then on our course, um, and Claire's been teaching it longer than I have, but since I've been teaching um, with Claire, I've noticed a, a sort of a sharp increase in people who come, um, with way already with way more information, uh, way more clued up and way more uh, passionate about really affecting change because they understand that if they're not part of the solution, then the problems that we're going to incur further down the line when they are, you know, sort of 20 years into their career, the, it, we're sort of heading for a bit of a horror show if we don't sort things out. So
1: mm. people are coming much more clued up. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. And in terms of sort of the, the sort of uh, Extinction Rebellion sort of protest as well, I mean, are you sort of, what's your audience there? Are you sort of seeing a different audience? Is it, you know, kind of, what's the sort of, you know, uh, interest and sort of demographic that you're seeing?
0: Um, with our fashion action mm. uh, protests, it has been a wide range of, uh, I hate the word consumer, but active citizens customers <laughs> shoppers people who people who just you know love f- fashion and hate what it's doing to the planet um, yeah. and then we also have lots of people from industry who are fed up and exhausted by it all and just want to come and you know turn the system around and make their voice heard and and, and you know let 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 the industry know that they've had enough we have people within our team who um, one of our coordinators um, was at the Royal College and turned her entire graduate show into uh, a comment on waste and fashion's climate impact, and that was actually the launch of our boy, boycott fashion campaign. Um, was at Laura's show, so you know she has somebody who had a fantastic career ahead of her had she wanted it in fashion, and has decided that. She, she, you know, the, the system is so, the system is so flawed and so problematic, instead of creating more products, she wanted to be on the, on the sort of activist side of things, sorting things out, so.
1: Yeah, that's, that's great. And Claire, do you have any sort of uh, comments you, you sort of, uh, you know, have been thinking about in terms of sort of, you know, I don't know them from a sort of curriculum perspective you know or or sort of again from the sort of protest sort of perspective.
3: Yeah sure well I think the thing about Extinction Rebellion's fashion action work that I, is really um, setting my heart on fire at the moment is um, not just that the people involved have been so dedicated, um, so um, rigorous and so creative and so like flawlessly putting on a good show in the name of XR over and over again with this focus on one industry. But I think it's, <clears throat> it's interesting in particular because as an industry, um, it's it's one which re- requires um, a sense of relevance. And when you undermine that sense of cultural relevance, there's really nothing that the fashion industry can do to get out of that hole but to change. Mm. And Up until this point, I've looked at the industry as like, you know, saying that it's forward-looking, saying that it's about new, saying that it's about new ideas, saying it's creative, saying it's inventive. Um, and um, and, it, and it hasn't been those things, has it? You know, it's been relying on an archaic calendar. It's mostly run by old, rich people. Um, a lot of the systems are like steeped in, um, you know, a, a very interesting history, but not a very nice one um, from a lot of aspects. And, and it has a lot of sort of work to do. pull itself into a space where I think like future generations are going to want to have anything to do with it and I think that the work XR has done along with others has been to chip away at the kind of um at at the face of the industry in a way which kind of ends up letting enough light through that then people as you say can like open up and just admit that it's actually quite unbearable um knowing that you're part of something that's that's creating such such vicious and kind of violent problems for humanity and for like living systems. So it's it's really exciting to me, that letter that XR Fashion Action team have put together recently, um, which says, you know, Dear Fashion, we hear you. And it's a, a whole letter, um, if you look up on the website, of, of quotes. Um, and they're from all lots and lots of leading commentators and um, designers and journalists, many, many people in the industry, quoting them back to themselves. And, um, it reads like the most crazy, kind of angry and radical um, manifesto for change um, mm. that you put together, and those are the words that are coming out of people who just can't hold it in anymore. And I think that's that's a real sign of success for a for a civil disobedience movement that you that you can get people to to open up in that way. And it's especially interesting because. It's an industry which now that they've said it will actually have to do things in line with that, um, because because otherwise you just you're going to lose all your credibility. So, so yeah, I think it's really uh, incredibly exciting because it's quite a short scale, really, of like going and disrupting three consecutive fashion weeks outside, not going inside, not doing you know not sneaking into catwalks and and doing kind of the usual old story but really taking a very traditional approach to just closing the road outside um and uh yeah to see the the impact of that and how quickly we've we've seen a change in the conversation i I feel really um i feel really proud of the people who've worked on that on that aspect of the campaign because i think it's played a major part in getting those conversations
1: to shift really really quickly yeah fantastic
2: Uh, you've kind of already touched on this already but could you talk us through the sort of things you've been doing to help the fashion industry's journey towards sustainable fashion that can either be through your career or through the extinction rebellion um if one of you wants to take it away
0: um yeah so claire just just actually mentioned it then we we just um so we so so with with the fashion action team so we were we were sort of two teams working within XR just for a little bit of context. And we had a boycott fashion action, a boycott fashion um, initiative and also a fashion action team. And we've brought them together and we are now working together under the moniker fashion action. Um, and as Claire said, we have, you know, last summer we uh, we wrote to the British Fashion Council and we asked them, Um, very politely but in no uncertain terms if they would cancel London Fashion Week and use the platform to communicate the climate emergency Um, and the seriousness and the urgency of the of the uh, climate emergency and our rationale um, was very much uh, if you were I mean, imagine if you'd just been beamed down from outer space and you'd landed in the middle of London Fashion Week. You would have absolutely no idea that we are racing against time to limit global warming. We are mm-hmm. racing against time to, you know, to to protect um, to protect life on Earth, essentially. And would the British Fashion Council, um, as leaders of culture and fashion, is a, a, a reflection of zeitgeist, did, is always been a, a, a fierce Um, barometer of what is happening culturally so would you use your platform to communicate the urgency of the situation we find ourselves in and they politely said no so we held a protest outside and we um with a funeral on the last day to mark the end of fashion week this was our second um this is actually the second season that we did this but this was the sort of bigger of the protests and then we had a third, third one in february and so when they announced that um that the, that the shows were going to be digital um, for last weekend um, we decided to write them another letter but this time we were able to use um, we were able to use quotes directly from the horses mouths heads of uh, designers from from huge brands and the reason that we were able to build this re- letter of quite radical statements as claire said it reads like a really powerful manifesto that we might have actually written ourselves within the XR team was that the pressure that we had put on the industry over the, over the last year to really hold a mirror up to them and say, if you are leaders of culture, then why are you not leading on this? This is the biggest existential crisis we are facing, hands down. We have to talk about climate emergency and fashion's role in it and responsibility as an industry. Um, and we were able to to shift the conversation and shift the shift the conversation and the dialogue to a point where we were able to actually write this quite kind of radical letter. And it's, I mean, just to quote a couple of people, we had I mentioned Mark Jacobs before. I mean, he's been wonderful in, in support of, uh, of of climate. He says we've done everything to such excess that there is no consumer for all of it. It's a chore, and that's just a waste of time and energy and money and materials which is quite, you know, quite striking coming from from the man who, a man who is, is you know, designs product for people to consume and buy. Mm. Um, and then we had another great one from, um, I'm going to pronounce his name long, I'm sure, Oliver Rausting from Balmain. We don't want to live in a planet that is going to die tomorrow. We need to protect not only our fashion industry, but also our world. So, I think you know this is regardless sort of regardless of um regardless of immediate action the dialogue and the conversation is is turning around to um to really kind of uh, address the seriousness of the of the of the situation
2: great yeah um and and given the current situation with the pandemic um how is the Extinction Rebellion plan to continue to mobilize and take this action in a time of COVID-19 when these large gatherings are not really a possibility at this time? I mean, you mentioned, um, yeah, the protests for instance that you did, um, uh, with last London fashion week. And I'm just curious Mm -hmm. to see, um, how that will happen this year going forward.
3: So the teams in in Extinction Rebellion in the UK and, and, elsewhere have all been um you know hard at work trying to trying to think of creative and innovative ways in which we can continue to disrupt the the business as usual um there are some actions coming up in the uk um later this month um which will be carried out uh with ppe and with social distancing um considerations um i actually bumped into um one of our doctors. We've got lots of um kind of professional groups or special interest groups, if you like, within the movement. And one of those is XR doctors. And I bumped into to one of those guys recently and um and he just said, where's when's the next rebellion? Um <laughs> and, uh, and, that, and and I thought that's really, really interesting because as a medical professional who's currently working nights during COVID, um he um is extremely uh concerned about the time that we're that we're losing um, in terms of campaigning to um, having all of this time locked down um, and of course in the UK uh, just the other day they completely outright banned uh, protests, there are new Covid laws, there are very serious implications for um, people reflecting on um, human rights and, and what that means for this country um, and others where people are experiencing very much increased um, state suppression um, trapping um and uh infringement of their of their freedoms and, and liberties um and so um as as you probably know xr uh i doubt um will be put off on mass by ban protest um but uh yeah the, the plans that are being formed um there will be something uh, i'm fairly confident this year um on the assumption that we don't um see what we would qualify as a a total success. We we may also whack a date in the diary for next year for the spring or so. Um, That's all uh, in consultation at the moment. Um, And when we do go out, um, there probably does need to be um, a a fairly robust approach to um, people taking precautions in in line with um, COVID. Um, However... (laughs) I, it it doesn't seem to me that it's acceptable um you know to to pause for example until until le- next year um simply for the reason that um we we keep getting the news still um very very hard and fast that things are much worse than we thought things happen much more quickly than we thought um and just at the weekend um a news article in the guardian confirmed some new some new modeling data uh that suggests that perhaps scientists have um Underestimated the um, carbon sensitivity of our climate, um, and that we may be looking at a potentiality for um, five degrees of warming um, guaranteed this century, not as the top end of the of the kind of risk, um, and also that that could come way before the end of the century. And some experts on the Arctic are looking at the situation there, where they're still seeing another heat wave and thinking that there could be um, an Arctic free summer. Um, anytime soon. And at that point, um, you know, there's really very little understanding of how you can accurately predict what will happen. But um, it's, it's highly likely that that will have um, very, very severe ramifications for global weather patterns, sea level rise, um, temperature increase will, will um, gain a, a vast amount of pace at that point. Um, so things really will speed up. Um, and the closeness, of uh the, of these um of these things, um seems to me that you know that it, it's unfortunate that that COVID is here, um, but it, it can't be a thing that prevents us from acting. Um there's also um just to say some other ideas about taking digital actions, um about uh engineering ways that people can act from home more easily and thinking through kind of uh ways that people might um you know bombard their MPs with information, with letters, with emails, um, with calls. Uh, there's, you know, that's a very it's quite a traditional way of organizing. Um, but uh, there's there's that option from home. And then there's there's more options on the on the kind of digital menu that people are working on as well. So we are trying to to look at how to sort of creatively um present different opportunities to people. Um, yeah, but we do intend to go out on the streets as well.
2: Yeah. Great. Um, yeah, and and continuing on with COVID-19, um, it really has been one of the pinnacle moments of our time. Um, is there a historical parallel to this that we could use to inform working with sustainability in the future? Well, no, I mean, my only kind of
0: parallel to, I mean, we, you know, this is, this is, I've never seen anything, not seen anything like this in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm afraid that we probably will, we will do again. And, you know what? One of the things that's been sharply thrown into focus with this is how poorly um, many large brands treat their workers, um, how quick to um, you know sort of pull pull orders and uh, and and refuse to pay for ready-made orders brands were, and how many workers have been left um, you know destitute without anything, and these are people who were already. Um, marginalized and uh being being exploited by the sort of the larger the larger system of fashion and production um, and so we need to take lessons from that um you know there, we've seen many brands for example at the moment who have been in the in very quickly in the sort of wake of of um george floyd's death and the global black lives matter movement have posted uh Posted Black Lives Matter um, Black Squares on that Tuesday, but some of these brands are still brands who are refusing to pay their garment workers in Bangladesh um, for orders that they suspended when the COVID crisis struck. So it is very, and it, and some of these brands are also brands that are ranking relatively well in transparency indexes. So there is a sort of a pattern of greenwashing um, and and unethical behaviour that is that is being brought to light that we can do a lot to learn from, um, but I would also, you know, we often use the war analogy that this is we need a we need a war like effort in order to combat the climate crisis and to really really implement a big systemic change, and when you look at some of the things that certain brands did when the crisis struck. Um, turning their production lines from making perfume into making hand sanitizer Mm -hmm. or customizing and reappropriating materials that were going into one product to make PPE um, to send to hospitals. So a radical transformation of production is possible, which is something that was being argued against only months earlier. So we're seeing that we're seeing we're seeing on one hand how brands can mobilize and companies can mobilize for change and we're also seeing on one hand how um, you know ethical conduct and lack of transparency is still a massive problem
2: yeah yeah mm.
3: i suppose you know the when when you look at what happens um in um a recognized emergency um you know the the, the state can turn to um businesses and say you don't make cars anymore you make tanks, make it happen within this many weeks. Otherwise, we'll shut you down and we'll put you in prison. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what governments do when they think that they need that they need to take um, a, a hold of the situation um, and act against uh, an existential threat of of a, of a huge magnitude. And arguably, um, you know, that's the only comparison within. Um, recent history that that we've got right of, of of government intervention in um in industrial matters and i think um at the moment what we're what we're about to witness in the wake of covid is um you know the the catastrophic scale of damage to lives and livelihoods businesses that are going to disappear cultural institutions that are going to fall through the floor educational institutions that are on their knees um you know, all of these things, um, which a lot of people hold very dear um, whilst we watch some of the biggest corporations get bailouts that make 2008 and eight and nine look like it was looked like they were just pissing around. Um, and, this you know, the scale of the money that is being put into guaranteeing that these, the, these industries, which we had an opportunity to um, to reflect on, to put. Um, to put criteria against if we were going to help to bail them back out, Um, that we could have looked at their uh, tax payment and avoidance um, in order to decide whether or not to give them money. We could have told them that they had to uh, meet certain criteria within within, um, a a green um, programme, within an eco programme. None of this stuff has been happening, and hundreds of millions of pounds have been signed off every Thursday by the Bank of England in corporate loans. Um, and so I actually think this is we're seeing in some ways kind of the worst of both worlds. Um, because you can you can only carefully like manage something that, that reduces production um, by taking great care and huge planning to make sure that people's lives and, and, and their well-being is is considered and that they get the most protection that they possibly can during a transition. So the fact that this came out of nowhere and has and, and has been indiscriminate in um, in in the damage the, that it's caused to people's lives and well being is is um, you know is is not okay. And the fact that I think this is going to consolidate corporate power because so many small businesses are going to just disappear is also um, not okay. And it doesn't help us very much for the future because a lot of the people who are um, able to be the most well intentioned. Um, and are able to live up to their actual values of people who own private companies who aren't answerable to shareholders who need a return on their investment for doing absolutely nothing. And so I think this COVID crisis is um, more than catastrophic in terms of its timing. And it shows us something that's extremely sobering as well, which is that, um, you know, people um, anticipate a a reduction in prices, which means that, uh, There's going to be a further race to the bottom, which I'm told by um, a child labour expert that they uh, think that there's a guaranteed increase ahead in child labour issues, and that a lot of the gains that have been made in recent years in the ready made garment sector in terms of CSR are going to be just destroyed by this um, pandemic, basically. Um, So, not only are we going to go back in time and our conditions are going to get worse and our price Mm. is going to go down, but also the dent that this has made in global carbon emissions isn't even. Enough for one year's worth of reduction. So we need to reduce our carbon emissions way more than we just have through this pandemic. We need to do that every year for 10 years. Now imagine bailing out BASF, Bayer, uh, Burberry, British Airways, EasyJet, all of those companies now to the tune of billions of pounds. imagine that we're going to make that reduction year on year for the next 10 years. I mean, it's just not going to happen, is it? So, you know, I'm I'm devastated, actually, and I'm
2: not and I'm not sleeping very well at the moment, I have to say. Um, no. Yeah, it, yeah no, it, it is. It's all super concerning. And, we, you know, we, we've we talked a lot about the catastrophic effects of COVID-19. Um, but can you think of any positive changes that have come um, from the COVID-19 crisis, whether that's ethically or environmentally or industry-facing. Um, Alice, I believe you mentioned um, that these brands were able to suddenly switch to making masks, um, or a lot of these brands were able to switch to making masks um, during the pandemic, um, which I view as a positive change, just um, the way that they could quickly alter what they were going to put out there. Um, mm-hmm. So can can you think of any other positive changes?
0: I mean, it's we've had uh, a window which is it feels like it's now closing of um, time where people have understood for the first time that 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 change that they previously thought would be impossible is actually possible. Um, like Claire said, it's you know, we've got to go bigger and bolder and we've got to do more than we've been doing in the last couple of months. Um, in terms of 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 reducing emissions but I think that we have the situation has been created globally where people have seen that another way of life is possible whether that can be harnessed now um, and sort of taken forward to implement the changes that we need is another question but we've certainly seen I, I feel that we've certainly seen a kind of a coming together in in commonality and understanding much more than we've had for a very long time and I, I feel that's really positive. Yeah. You know what? What will happen next is the big question because, you know, inevitably, in order to make, um, in order to make the radical changes that we need, we're going to have to have heavy transition of jobs, and we're going to have to reshape our society. Um, and we need to be having the conversations about what that looks like, and we need to be doing that in a really positive way, um, and in a way that that inspires people rather than frightens people and I feel that we've got a window to do that at the moment so that does that does bring me some hope um but yes I mean these you know the the a lot of the statements that we've been that we've been we've been gathering from fashion have come from the creative souls and minds behind or in these brands So these are people who are deeply connected with the reality of what's happening, the realization of, of, of the industry that they're in. And these are two separate things, the industry and fashion. They are, they are two separate spaces. And I think, you know, we've, we're we're, one of the things I'd like to say as well in this, in this space, because we are talking to a fashion community in this podcast is we are not calling for an end of fashion with the fashion action team. We are calling for a reframing and a reimagining of, Of fashion culture and the toxic elements of fashion culture that are causing us so many environmental and societal problems and I so in that context um, I think we've had you know we've we've had a framing um, the last few months of what it might mean to slow down and actually be a more positive caring space community culture
2: yeah I mean I I really think that there's with this pandemic there's been more efforts from society to support small businesses, um, people have really slowed down on how much they consume, there's kind of this going back to the land movement, um, but do you think that will continue once life kind of resumes um, its normal pace, or do you think um, people will just, you know, go back to their previous ways?
0: I think for I mean to a certain extent people will people are desperate to go to go back to some of their regular ways. I mean I would really like to go to the pub with my mates and go and have a dinner at my favorite restaurant and just do some kind of cultural you know I'd like to, like to go to a, a gallery and see an exhibition. I'd like to go to the theater I'd like to kind of participate in culture again. but I would also I think one of to re, kind of really reshape this change, I think what we need is we need a, we need a refocusing. Of what we actually need from people moving forward like we need people who want to come and create solutions whether that's on a real kind of grassroots activist level where you want to come and you know physically get involved um, in some activist work or whether you want to uh go and work um inside a massive brand trying to break it down from the inside out and i think we need that's the kind of transition of jobs that that i feel would be really important
2: yeah um, just to shift the topic a little bit um away from the pandemic, what changes have you seen from the extinction rebellion protests or the communication efforts made by extinction rebellion um in the past year? Um, as you probably know, uh exiles a, a global uh,
3: decentralized movement, that model that we've used of uh, allowing lots and lots of people to, to join very quickly, um, we have a set of ten principles and values, and you sign up to, you agree to, to adhere to those, and uh, to support our three core demands, and um, that's it. You can go out and you can, you can VXR. There's not a, there's not like a paid up membership scheme. There's not, um, there's not like a, a, a list somewhere that's uh, got every single name on it. Um, and of course, developing um, an organism that way carries with it uh quite significant amount of risk <laughs> because um you know people can people can join and uh and they can they can speak on your behalf and, and people can say all kinds of things and so we've seen i think um a very mixed bag of communications from xr over the last year um and some excellent work that comes out of local groups which i think is um not amplified well enough some excellent work that comes out of um of countries that have smaller smaller working groups within them um less well established obviously we set it up in the UK it was it was it was sort of born here so you know our system is very very well established and at the moment I'd say you know the global system is trying to find its feet there are there are people working in global teams that that acts to support the um, the international movement. And then you have all of these different groups all over the world at different stages of development. Um, so it's really a very mixed bag. But at the moment, I'm um, working in the uh, media messaging team in XR in the UK. Um, so we're just working up um, a whole bunch of new of new messaging, um, which should come out in the next couple of
0: months gradually. Great. I mean, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I think that the, it's the way that one of the things I've been the most proudest of the work that we have done, and I think is that we have managed to change the conversation within the industry. Um, and we had, uh, you know, we had a lot of, there was a lot of fear and a lot of negativity surrounding, um, surrounding, for example, the the, the funeral that we held on the last day of, of London fashion week, um, on the run up to it. Um, and it was incredibly impactful, and quite a quite a beautiful moment to be part of, actually, um, for, yeah. for sort of for all involved. And uh, the business of fashion wrote a piece the day after, with the headline, "Has Extinction Rebellion Outmarketed London Fashion Week?" Um, mm-hmm. Which kind of mm-hmm. sort of said it, said it all, really. Um, and yeah. since then, we have we really have seen the narrative changing, and we've we've kept pushing and kept pushing. So, I'm I'm delighted that we've been able to shift shift the narrative and that people are are really starting to to sit up and take notice and, and wonder what action they need to take within their brands uh, we're still waiting for the big action to happen um, we will keep we will keep on pushing until it does um, but I yeah I'm just I'm, in, I'm incredibly proud of uh, and, and pleased that we've managed to we've managed to change the narrative and get the industry to to really take notice. Um, Because these are, you know, when you approach it on a very rational level uh, and again, taking the industry, I keep saying industry, um, we get so locked by language sometimes. But um, when you take the kind of industry out of it and you look at this from a creative space, which is what all of us in the fashion action team are, we're all creatives from some element of the fashion industry, whether that is um, styling or creative direction or um, ex-fashion editors or designers. They're all people within the industry who have become really kind of fed up with what the industry what the industry came to stand for. It's been a it's been a tremendous success basically to kind of um, to change this narrative. And the, the coming from a creative standpoint is that you know one of the things we've always been really careful to not to do within XR is to blame or shame anybody um, because we are in a system we work in a system that isn't fit for purpose. And when you come from a creative standpoint, as everybody in our, in our movement, fashion action does, we understand that I'd say 90 percent of the people haven't gone into it. Ninety nine percent of the people haven't gone into it with the explicit desire to, you know, to, to impact the impact people, planet and animals in such a negative way. They wanted to make beautiful things. They wanted to do something creative. They wanted to do something exciting and fun and fulfilling. And we are saying you can still do that. But let's rechannel our creativity, let's refocus our energy, let's redesign systems and let's put our um, imaginative, ingenious, creative minds to work um, to fix this problem.
2: Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, it's truly amazing what the Extinction Rebellion has achieved so far, and it's super inspiring to see all the action it's taken. Um, Since I'm a student myself, what would you recommend or advise London College of Fashion students to do to begin to lead a more sustainable lifestyle?
0: I would say, straight off the bat, rather than making it really insular and looking Inwardly at ourselves about what we can do to live a more sustainable lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we how do we challenge the system? How can we you know what can you do as an active citizen to to help challenge the system? Because we can make lots of individual changes, but collectively we have to we have to push for larger change and legislation to happen. So how can you get involved with that? Because all of the recycling that you want to do in your spare time is nothing compared with the industrial amount of waste that we need to deal with. For example, right. Um, Right. And then also you as a designer you as a creative person in London College of Fashion may not be the problem the pro- part of the another part of the problem might be the consumption and purchasing habits of your friends and family who haven't come around to this way of thinking or understood the scale of the problem yet so can you have conversations with your network can you again positively impact the mindsets of people around you because we need a collective shift In consciousness rather than just individual change.
2: Right. No, for sure.
3: Well, I guess my my point is always going to be to take yourself into uh an existential place with your own thoughts. Um there's um there's never been a time like this um before for humanity. You know, there's a there's a great weight of existentialism within the sort of DNA of extinction rebellion, I think, and, and asking people to really think about. What is the meaning of of your life, and what are you going to do with it? Because you just happen to be here at a time when collectively we're deciding whether there will be life on Earth in the future or not. It sounds really overly dramatic, still when I say this stuff. And I've been banging on like this for about two, three years now, solidly, <laughs> um, really ramping it up. But I mean, it's it's absolutely true, and you know. We certainly uh, we know there is a virtue in um, disobedience, basically. And um, I would say, if you if you want to live well within a system that's um, striving for for death, then just be a, be disobedient and and be in touch with your own sense of purpose. Um, we need more more disobedient
1: people very very urgently.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, you you've posed sort of so many. Um you know, really valuable, uh, thought provoking um, insights, you know, just around sort of your own work, the sort of multi-layered complexity of sort of what we're looking at in terms of sustainability in the fashion industry, you know, the sort of human environmental impacts and all the different topics that we covered and the sort of how they interrelate. And also sort of, you know, just really showcasing the kind of work, and the the impact of uh you know the extinction rebellion uh, campaign and movement and, and just you know really uh thought-provoking in terms of thinking actually you know uh you know it, it's out there and we can anyone really can sort of join and, and become a part of that and, and we're all a part of this sort of process so thank you so much for your uh, contributions today
3: thank you for having us, <laughs> for having us. thank you